Hey Property Insiders, I'm Mike Stenhouse and this is the Inside Property Investing Podcast. Today we have got a short and sweet episode with Simon Mishevich from Optimize Accountants discussing the implications of CIS, the Construction Industry Scheme, and how that applies to us as property developers, or in some cases how it may not apply to you. But anyway, if that's something that you have ever wondered about, whether you need to be concerned about, this is the episode for you. So check it out, but before we get into it, let's just take a minute to thank our sponsors. For any of you who have been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you'll know that Fusion Furniture Solutions have sponsored us pretty much from the start. And the reason we continue to work with them on the podcast is because we continue to work with them in real life. We do this for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think their furniture looks great and with new ranges coming on the market with them, you're going to continue to be able to stay ahead of what the rest of the property market are offering, stand out from the crowd and make your properties look superb. Their pricing is also fantastic. Now, I find that the cost is comparable to the much lower quality furniture you'd get from places like IKEA, but as well as delivering it all for you, the guys at Fusion will assemble everything and they take away all of the rubbish as well, making it a real easy solution for you. To make it even better, they've just arranged an exclusive agreement with a new low-cost lease finance company. So as well as spreading the cost of your furniture over a period of months or even years, I'm pretty sure there's some benefits with the tax man to leasing furniture as well rather than buying it. So whether you need furniture for your latest HMO, a luxury service department, or to stage a flip in order to maximize your return on investment, you will not get better service than from the team at Fusion. So whatever you're looking for furniture for, check out their website at fusionfurnituresolutions.co.uk or give the team a call on 01565 723 727. Tell them that you heard about them on the podcast and they will sort you out with the best deal in the furniture world. Okay, guys, today I am delighted to welcome back Simon Mishevich, who has come back very willingly after I was scratching my head thinking, who can I ask about CIS? And it's something that has, I guess, kind of cropped up on our radar more and more recently. Should we be worried about it? If we should be worried about it, what exactly do we need to be worried about? And frankly, I had no idea. So like I say, I thought Simon is the man to ask. So Simon, it's been a little while, but delighted to have you back on the show. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's hopefully going to be an interesting subject for a lot of people. It's great to be back as well. Thank you ever so much for the invite. So as I mentioned, CIS uh, stands for, I should probably have uh, done my homework and checked this, but it's the construction industry scheme, right? And it's something that many people may have heard of, but not necessarily have understood. So, I mean, before we get into the nuts and bolts of, you know, who needs to be concerned about this, what, what exactly is it? What is CIS? Well, CIS, as you mentioned, it's construction industry scheme, which is uh, HMRC's way of capturing uh, tax before really it's due. Uh, so the CIS is a 20% typical deduction of tax from tradespeople. So instead of paying them £100, you would deduct £20 uh, from them and you would pay that immediately to HMRC um, and they would then be left with the remaining £80. So it's just a quick way for HMRC to collect tax before really it's due. Okay, so does the liability sit with the subcontractor then or does it sit with the person who's making the payments? Well, that's a good point. So tax is always the responsibility of the individual. However, 
because CIS is charged on the principal contractor, which I'm sure we'll speak about later on, uh, then the responsibility initially falls with the contractor uh, or you um, that is paying the subcontractor themselves. Okay. And you said it's an interesting point because I guess defining who that contractor is is perhaps a bit of a, a gray area or I guess certainly it doesn't apply to everyone who is employing subcontractors, right? There is a distinction between who actually needs to be concerned about CIS and who it doesn't apply to. Yes, absolutely. And, and for most listeners, um, it's, CIS will not affect you um, because if you're doing light refurbishments on your projects, all of a sudden you might be sitting there thinking, well, I've not done CIS, what am I doing? Um, or am I going to be in trouble later on? And, and fortuitously, that's, uh, the criteria will not affect people that are doing light refurbishments. Um, and I'm happy to, to go into the criteria with you now, Mike, if that would help. Yeah, it would be because I think the the HMRC website is a little bit, would it be fair to say vague in this regard? And I would hate to say that our great government aren't doing a good job in explaining things clearly when it comes to tax. But I had a read through it and it was a little bit ambiguous. There was a little bit of contradiction there. So I'd love to get your opinion on it as well. Yeah, so there's typically um, two pieces of criteria that I would always look at uh, with an individual. And one of those is a mainstream property developer. So a mainstream property developer that does building homes. Um, so Westbury Homes, Prisons, all those kind of uh, organizations. And they typically will spend uh, one million pounds per year on uh, that their build. They will always be CIS registered uh, because of the, the volume and size of their construction work. Okay. So that is one. If you are a mainstream builder constantly spending more than one million pounds on construction then you will need to be CIS registered and deduct 20% uh, tax from your subcontractors. Now the other type of uh, person that needs to look out for uh, the CIS is those people that are doing major pieces of work. Um, though what I mean by major piece of work is where you're going to the local authority and asking them for planning permission to do construction work. Now, the change of use uh, is not applicable here, even though you do need to request planning. Um, I'm talking about construction, so where you may be deciding to um, be the, the main principal contractor, the person responsible, really, for the project to convert a pub into a major uh, development of flats, for instance. Mm -hmm. Or if you're taking a commercial build and you are the main person for that work again, um, you may need to be registered for CIS on that aspect. So there's two. There's the major mainstream property developers spending one million per year. And then the second uh, type of people are those that are doing major construction work, which requires planning permission. Okay, so for me, if I'm looking at the projects that we've got in Negro just now, if we're converting a residential house into a small HMO, probably don't need to be concerned about CIS. If we are doing, we've got a new build on the go, and rather than use a main contractor on that, we're packaging the works up and I guess subcontracting that out. So on that, we probably would need to be a bit more wary of CIS and how that impacts on us. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I've done a few pro uh, projects myself, um, and I've always been quite strict with myself to adhere to CIS, as you would expect, mm -hmm. uh, for, for an accountant especially. Um, but wherever I was doing major development works, and I needed that planning permission, that would be the trigger point for me to say, well, do I want to be the principal contractor? And we'll talk about other uh, impacts on you being the main point of contact uh, for this kind of project. Uh, but at that point, that was well, I would be saying, I need to be CIS uh, registered or I need to be the administrator for the CIS and start thinking about uh, collecting tax from the subcontractors and paying that off to HMRC on a monthly basis. Okay. And I mean, when, when you are dealing with CIS, how are the contractors, the, your subcontractors typically about that? Is this something that they're going to be familiar with? I think in, in most cases, they need to register for this as a subcontractor as well as you need to register as a contractor, right? So they should be, any, any decent subcontractor should be aware of this already. Yes, it's um, a lot of the tradespeople I've spoken with, they're already CIS um, registered. Um, they don't need to be, um, and if they, they are not registered as CIS, then you have to do even more tax uh, from them, up to 30%. So, okay. um, you know, it's in There's their best there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they should be registered anyway. So if they're not uh, registered, and you will need to get uh, a copy of their CIS registration card, which gives them the ID, the CIS number, which you would use for on a monthly basis to pay HMRC anyway. So that is their proof. It's almost like an ID card. Um, and that says, I'm a register for CIS, only deduct 20%. Okay. And funnily enough, although I'm asking about the, the sort of perhaps negative lashback from your subcontractors mm. a couple of people that i've spoken to about this actually said their subcontractors quite like this scheme because in in a lot of cases they will sometimes get a rebate later on in the year so it's almost like a little piggy bank or a savings account for them so mm. i guess as with your own personal tax return hmrc might make estimates and then they'll alter that at some point later down the line so it's not it's not always clear-cut exactly how much you should be deducting so they may get a rebate or i guess they may get a a bill at the end for slightly higher tax as well. Yeah, so uh, and that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because uh, contractors, uh, subcontractors, sorry, uh, that see this as a piggy bank, um, it just tells you maybe a bit about them. <laughs> um, <laughs> they prefer not to have a tax bill at the end because they they do spend their money pretty quickly when they get it. Um, so a lot of them do like that. They know that they are going to get a tax rebate in majority of cases of our clients that are tradespeople, and we support them on their CIS. There is, I would say 90% get a refund because they are allowed to offset certain expenditure against their trade. And um, because most of them are, are, are basic rate taxpayers anyway, then they, they, they can deduct those expenses, means less profit, means less tax. So typically I would see um, a tax charge of about 10, 15% for most tradespeople. And therefore that, uh, that difference up to 20% is something that they can reclaim. Um, for them, that, that's a benefit because it, it's, um, it's money they do get back and you can utilize that for, for other means. If you get a contractor that is um, a little, you know, high rate taxpayer, then it can be a bit pro problematic for them. Uh, but that's the point where you say, well, if you are high rate taxpayers, you should be speaking to a tax advisor anyway to set up a, a 
a limited company. Uh, that's a, another debate for another uh, day, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. And I mean, just thinking through the, the logistics of this as well, then as a, uh, a property developer who would qualify for this, is it a complicated process to register for? Is that something that your accountant would typically do? Or is it something, is it just a form you submit to HMRC yourself? What does that process look like? Yes, I mean, HMRC are doing a lot of things now where you can do a lot of registrations online. So that's got to be a lot easier. Um, your accountant, it depends um, in terms of how much involvement they may have, because you may have a bookkeeper or an administrator. And because CIS is often uh, done on a monthly basis, then you would find that your bookkeeper is the one that is doing all the paperwork with the contractors, because that's the, the administration process you go. What would happen is that the construction person would say, I've worked for you five days, rate per day is this, and you know, here's my thousand pounds invoice. And out of that, you would say, well, here's a payment for 800 pounds because I've deducted 20% tax and here's your CIS voucher. So your accountant typically, I would say, wouldn't be the best person to, to carry out that process simply because their fees to do that basic administration would be quite high. Um, so I would say save yourself some money, get a good bookkeeper or administrator to do that process for you. Okay, perfect. And I guess the only thing that's still, uh, you know, a little bit unclear then, and not, not in the way that you've explained it, but just in the fact that there doesn't seem to be clear cut guidelines from HMRC is just this, this sort of definition of, of, of who it qualifies, you know, in terms of a property developer. So I assume there is no more explanation of what a property developer is beyond what they've got on the CIS website. Is it something that you could phone them up and ask about and say, look, this is what I'm doing. Do I clarify or, or how can we be sure that we are registering if we have to and not wasting the energy registering if we don't have to? Is there any better way than sort of the, the, the planning application rule that you've come up with? Um, I would say that um, it's, I've always considered CIS to be minor and major work. Minor being the light refurb, do not bother with CIS. Major work, if you're doing construction work that is knocking down walls or conversion of pro uh, properties, then I think it is worth having that conversation with, uh, with HMRC to say, do I need to register for CIS for this type of project? Um, and they are helpful in that regard. They are not the devil incarnates that people put them down for sometimes. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they do provide some helpful information and guidance. Their website is often uh, vague or indeed, um, let's call it different interpretations and conflictive information on different pages. So I think it's always worth having a conversation with HMRC, but better still, most accountants and indeed some Decent bookkeepers will know the scheme inside and out if they are in the property field. So they will be able to uh, tell you pretty quickly what your project is after you describe it to them um, and whether CIS does indeed affect you or it doesn't. Okay. Perfect. Well, that's it clears it up slightly. Anyway, I've also just found a, a link here that tries to go some way to explaining the difference between a property developer and a property investment business. And a lot of it ties in exactly with what you're saying. This is on the, the gov.uk website. So I'll, I'll stick this up in the show notes, but it says, um, we're a business that is ordinarily, and I assume by business, it could be a business or an individual, but it says we're a business that is ordinarily a property investor 
undertakes some activities attributed to those of property developer will not usually be considered a contractor during that period of development because their usual business is investment rather than development. So I guess that that ties in with what you're saying, buy-to-let landlords, HMO landlords. If your business is typically around investing, buying to hold, growing an asset base and income from that rather than building new blocks of flats or new houses, then even if you do a little bit of, of development in the, the the pursuit of that goal, I suppose, you're not really going to be classed as a property developer as far as CIS is concerned. Correct. Absolutely. Good stuff. Okay, perfect. Well, that was uh, short and sweet and hopefully it clears up a bit of uncertainty that I know a lot of people have when it comes to CIS. Um, and you can always read our article as well. So if I give you, provide you with the link on that, uh, so listeners to this podcast can easily go onto our, onto our article, which we've done. Um, we've also included some of the CIS links from the government website as well. So it Perfect. gives you uh, a, a good overview of what needs to what you need to consider. But if you want to go to the details, we've provided you with the relevant gov.uk uh, links as well. Superb. Okay, well, we will be sure to link that up as well. And Simon, just uh, because it's been a couple of months since last year on the podcast, uh, contact details all still the same, still offering the same services to the same great property investors? Absolutely. So you can go to www.optimizeaccountants.co.uk. There are two portals. Now we've rebranded. One, if you wish to discuss our services, there's a way to book a call to uh, describe your situation and how we might be able to help you. And there's the tax consultation page as well. Um, And if you use the code Stenhouse33, there's a 33% discount for that as well. Oh, superb. You learn something new every day, Simon. That's fantastic. So um, yeah, great stuff. I guess, as you mentioned earlier, the limited company side of things is a whole nother subject. So we uh, we can save that, but perhaps we can make that the topic of conversation for our next discussion, which will, I'm sure, get everyone extremely excited because all of this stuff is extremely exciting. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll save that for another day. Thank you so much for your time and we'll speak again soon. Great. Thank you ever so much, Mike. Okay, if you've made it this far in the show, then you are more than likely interested in service accommodation or certainly interested in exploring the idea a little bit more. That is why, along with our SA resident, Dale Smith, we have created a service accommodation toolkit to help you understand the market a little bit more and also to help you start to analyze your existing deals if you're already active in the market as well. If you want to check out this free toolkit, simply head over to insidepropertyinvesting.com forward slash SA and you'll be able to download them for free straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll speak to you soon.